3: Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zivi Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi.
0: Hi. Hello.
3: Enjoy the show. I had so much fun interviewing Joe Piazza and Christine Pride, who are the co-authors of We Are Not Like Them, a novel. I actually did this interview, although you won't hear much from her, with Sherry Puzzi from my team. She runs Moms Don't Have Time to Grieve, and she's at What Sherry Reads. So Sherry and I, I didn't want to show up alone to this duo interview, so Sherry and I had a chat with Joe and Christine, and then we found out, we interviewed them the day before the launch of their book, and then found out that it has been chosen as the GMA Book Club pick. So we're really, really excited about that and wish them so much congratulations. And this interview, the video portion of this interview will be on the GMA Book Club Instagram account, so you can watch us having so much fun. But anyway, Christine Pride is a writer, editor, and longtime publishing veteran. She has held editorial posts at many different trade imprints, including Doubleday, Broadway, Crown, Hyperion, and Simon & Schuster. As an editor, Christine has published a range of books with a special emphasis on inspirational stories and memoirs, including numerous New York Times bestsellers. As a freelance editorial consultant, she does select editing and proposal content development, as well as teaching and coaching, and pens a regular column, Race Matters, for Cup of Joe. She lives in New York City. Joe Piazza is an award-winning journalist, editor, and podcast host. Her work has appeared in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, CNN, Marie Claire, Glamour, and other notable publications. She's also the author of Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win, How to Be Married, The Knockoff, Fitness Junkie, and If Nuns Ruled the World. She hosts three podcasts now, which she talks about, including Committed, which is one of my favorites and under the influence, and is starting a new one. And she also lives in Philadelphia with her husband and two small children, although I feel like she just moved to New York. But anyway, here they are. Welcome, Christine and Joe. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss We Are Not Like Them. Oh, we're so happy
0: Thank to be here. Thank you for there. having us. Yeah, this is one of our first day before a lot. This is our first day before launch day interview. So, yeah.
3: Wow, first on the day before the lunch. <gasps>
0: oh.
3: I'm honored. And I'm here today with Sherry Pusey, who is the head of Moms Don't Have Time to Grieve and on our team, and also at What Cherry Reads. And as I said, she's a fan, so she's here listening. So, anyway, just so you know, I didn't want to feel overwhelmed that there were two of you and just one of me. So, ah, I had to bring I a one
0: on one a one-on-one situation is always better.
3: Right? It's like Canadian doubles, right? It's like you need the. You need a devil's partner. So anyway, here we are. Okay, so We Are Not Like Them. Can you please tell listeners what this book is about? Let's hear the elevator pitch and then what inspired you to write it and especially together. All
0: right, so we trade. We take, we take turns on doing our elevator pitch. Oh. And our meet, cute. And our meet, cute. Yeah. we will probably happen
2: next. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so We Are Not Like Them is a story about the lifelong friendship between two women, Jen and Riley, Riley is a Black woman, Jen is a white woman, and they grew up in Philadelphia together. They've been friends since they were in daycare. And as they've grown up, their lives have changed. They've changed. They've grown a little bit apart, but you still stayed really close. And as they're adults, and as we open the book, Jen's husband, who is a Philadelphia police officer, shoots an unarmed Black teenager and Riley is the newscaster who has to cover this tragic. And the book follows what happens to their friendship through the lens of, of this tragedy. And But it's constantly focusing on how the two women are coping with the issues of race between them in their relationship, and how the incident does challenge everything that they thought they knew about each other, and everything they thought they knew about their friendship. And we've Decided to write it together a while ago. I mean, it's been three and a half years. of yes, spring
2: 2018.
0: So in the trenches, writing, writing this book. And now we just, we can't believe that it's finally coming into the world this week. It's insane to us. It's very exciting. Daunting, yes. nerve-wracking, exciting. All the all things. Of
3: all right, so now the meet cute, yeah, now meet that you've you.
2: queued that up. up. <laughs> so we actually met when I was her editor at Simon & Schuster. I spent the last 20 years as a book editor.
0: Which is um, crazy because she's like 25. Yeah. And so it's like she busted through the space. I started in middle yeah. school
2: <laughs> working at Random House. But so I was <laughs> Joe's editor for her novel. And we worked so well together on that, uh, not only professionally, but we just had this spark that, you know, that we felt like we were, we had so much in common and we were just going to be friends and then we worked on another project together which was a tie-in to the television show Younger which I'm sure a lot of your listeners um, have watched since it's set in me the world of publishing although I wish I had a wardrobe budget like Hillary
0: when's her name the star oh my god it's getting her name Sutton Foster. Sutton Sutton
3: Sutton Sutton. Foster. yeah for the show actually I'm about to interview her too oh no I'll yeah. back to Younger. Oh, that's oh so funny. Yeah. I'm interviewing her tomorrow. And I also interviewed the author of the book Younger, which became.
2: Yes, Pamela. The yeah. Show. yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> the world is small. Just to name drop a little, yeah. you know, just yeah. thought I'd throw that in. But okay.
2: So go ahead. I published Marriage Vacation, which was the tie in that was published on the show, and I published it at Simon Schuster, and I needed a writer for it, And Joe's good and fast and so, so fast. I asked Joe to do it because <laughs> we had four weeks to turn this book around to have it come out you know with the four weeks yes. Yes. production yes. schedule maybe five like four weeks to write and a, a week to edit we so required vacation in four weeks it was yeah. fast yeah. and over a holiday so mm-hmm. we were really in the trenches together and sort of the editor author, roles broke down in all sorts of ways. And we were both just kind of in this Google Doc, fast and furious. And we worked really well together on that. And so when we finished that project, we started thinking about what else we could potentially collaborate on. And I'd had this idea sort of kicking around for a while as editors. You know, you're always having book ideas. Normally you're not thinking that you're going to write them, but they're sort of always (laughs) simmering. And one was a novel about an interracial relationship, a friendship between a Black woman and a white woman that was affected by a police shooting. And this was, you know, I feel like these police shootings go in harrowing waves, right? Like the headlines, you know, there's a rash of them. This is one of those times in spring 2018. So it just felt like the time was ripe and that we had a really good opportunity in terms of tackling this subject and that if we paired together as a Black woman and a white woman, there was a unique opportunity to bring our different experience and, and perspectives to the table in a way that you know the book would be richer rather than either of us trying to tackle it alone. And we could do something really different and special and unique.
0: And we did it. I think when, it. So when, Christine, when Christine first proposed it too, I think she was like, Well, this will be, let's just see if it works. And I was like, and I was like, oh no, we're gonna sell this book. Great, Great. fantastic. And so we did it. Well, and I am busy,
2: I mean, we're both, very both busy, but really I was busy. Like, working at really demanding, you know, day job at Simon & Schuster mm-hmm. at the time. And so it did feel like, okay, we'll we'll get some words down on the page and, you know, kind of take it from there. And then it really, we were into it like we were once in we it. got into that Google doc, yeah. which at first was a
0: Word doc. Christine, then no one in publishing likes technology. They just hate it so much. <laughs> and so I had to drag Christine kicking and screaming into the world That's of true. Google Docs. Although I will say, an executive at Mi- I've been shitting on Microsoft so often in these interviews, that an executive at Microsoft reached out yesterday no. and was like, you should really try our new 365 software because it's great for collaboration. And I'm
2: like, oh, Okay. (laughs) Now, our our next book is sponsored by Microsoft,
0: you guys.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I feel like there's always something wrong with me when I can't do the track changes properly. And how do I am I supposed to accept all of them or can I just ignore them and they go in? Do they go in or do they not go in? I don't know. Then I'm like, do I stop life and do a tutorial on it? And then I, I don't know. Anyway. Oh, well. (laughs) Well, part of what's so interesting about this book is the friendship angle and how everybody, not everybody, how the both women are so open about all of their own issues and then how they all come together. And I see that you, you dedicated it to your friends. And I know, Christine, you wrote recently this whole race matters. How can I talk about race without getting it wrong? And I just love the dedication to sort of working through Friendship and not letting anything sort of stand in the way. So, do you do this with your own friendships? Like, yes, yeah. Do you go to like the hard places a lot? And, like, what was it like manufacturing this one?
2: Well, first and foremost, we wanted this to be a friendship novel. I mean, this is why the book is dedicated to our friends. That's just always been such an important part of our lives. I mean, obviously our relationship with each other. But even before we met, we're just, we really believe in the power of female friendship and I'd be lost without all of my friends. And
0: so- And we don't think it's celebrated enough Exactly on the page. It's so much, there's so much just like romance and marriage and also like the the narrative that your marriage and romance saves everything in your life. And that's not true. Let's be honest. It's our friendships that save our life. I mean, look, my husband's fine. He's fine. <laughs> love him, but it is my girlfriends who have been propping me up and getting me through the day for the past 40 years. And so we
2: really, and especially a long-term friendship, there's something really special about that. I mean, Riley and Jen have been friends, you know, since they were so little, and that's not something you can recreate in adulthood. So there's something really particular about that, but also it has its own set of challenges and that when you've been friends with somebody for so long, you see them through so many different iterations and versions of themselves, right? And so by the time you get to adulthood, for better or worse, you have this you know, kind of long, long, long history to either hold against the person, which I think comes up sometimes in long-term friendships, or to be a witness into that person to remind them. Who they are. And that comes up a lot in the relationship between Riley and Jen on the page, right? Like how much are you allowed to change in your friendships and how much is the special part
0: of it that you're the same or your friendship is at least the same. And I love what you said about the friendship being a witness to your life, because I think that's what we all want, what we all crave. Even I think the reason that all of us are so obsessed with social media, right? We want someone else to see what we're living and how we're living and to have that friend that has been with you through all of those things. It's an incredibly special person. And we both think it's worth preserving, even if you have to go to uncomfortable places to keep that person in your life.
3: I think that's why I've had a few friends who I have lost at a young age. And I think that's part of the pain is that then your collective memory is gone. Like the other day, I'm like, remember that when I went to that like college visit, wait, but I can't even call her to find out any of those details, which of course I can't remember because okay. I've lost my entire memory at this point. So you you lose that shared history. I was also telling my kids yesterday, I went to visit one of my oldest friends. Well, I have a lot of old friends, but this particular old friend of mine has ALS and it's been very sad and she's been sick for many years. So I was trying to say, as I was visiting, like, they're like, well, do you hang out with her a lot? I was like, no, I didn't used to hang out all that much, but we are really old friends. There is nothing yeah. like that. Yeah. Like, and they didn't i mean of course they're like six and eight so they didn't totally <laughs> grasp it but you know but there's nothing like it so anyway it's not there's not, there actually isn't and
0: especially as we get older and you know you get very into your career and your marriage and having kids i don't my best friend lives in nashville i see her once a year but i've been friends with her for 21 years since i was 18 longer than that since i was 18 years old and so that shared history, I think often means a lot more than, you know, the friends that you make later in adulthood
3: too. I thought it was really interesting in your book though, the financial differences between friends and how you address those too. And I just wanted to read this one section, if that's okay. Oh, please, oh, please. Yeah. Okay. So she, Jen and Riley are talking about the differences in their money situations and IVF and all that. And she's, so Riley is saying you can try again, right? No, we can't, Jen sighed. You can, you will, I insisted. What will it take for you to try again? There was a long stretch before she spoke. Money, we're already like 30 grand in debt. 30 grand, I repeated, taking in the staggering number. It was more than my annual salary and my first job out of college, working as a scrub reporter in Joplin, Missouri. And it was an insane amount of money to spend on something that didn't seem to be working at all. They still didn't have a baby. But I made up my mind not to judge. Besides, I'd never seen Jen like this. It was painful to witness someone you love want something so desperately, and to watch as each each miscarriage fundamentally altered her, made her more fragile and bitter. Gigi said it was like Jen's spirit itself was withering like forgotten fruit. There was only one thing to do. How much do you need?
0: I almost cried listening to that. We've actually
3: never heard 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 anybody anybody else read (laughs) but each other.
2: Wow, that was really... uh, I could keep going. (laughs) I could just...
3: I'll flip through and we could just stay here all day. (laughs) Uh, well, it's it's a beautiful sentiment. I mean, you know, like that anyway, tell me about that element of it. The...
0: Well, this is a book that deals with so many different issues about race and social justice, but and that that's a lot of what we've been interviewed about, and that seems to be the headline for this book. But frankly, it's also about other things. It's very much about the class difference between the two women, and the socioeconomic status of the two women, and, and how money can come between friends is a big issue, and also how parenthood can come between friends. Riley doesn't understand Jen's fertility struggles because she is just not there yet in her life. She's so focused on her career, and Jen doesn't understand why Riley is so focused on her career and her ambition because it's just never been a muscle that she's wanted to flex. And I think that there so many of us have those fundamental differences between our friends and also the question that Riley asks is is Jen going to leave me behind now that she's married and she's going to have this baby and part of that is why Riley tries to pull away from Jen a little bit too it's self-preservation so all of these things are happening in the friendship that have nothing to do with the aspect of race or with the
3: police There's always a lot I mean how can you piece apart one event or one aspect just right. like you can't just like you can't put it together while you're friends to begin with right it's just. Right. Um, Unspoken mm-hmm. combination of whateverness. How's yeah. well, that for articulate?
2: <laughs> <laughs> one thing we always talk about is you know, would Riley and Jen be friends if they met today? Right. And I think mm-hmm. we think of that a lot about our own friendships, the people in our lives, just in general. Right. Like, you know, if you, Depending on when you meet somebody, where you are in your life, that can sometimes be the springboard for a bond or not, right? The whole timing is everything sort of thing, which was the case when Joe yeah. and I met. And so it's just kind of an interesting thing to to think about and what your friendship can survive, right? So there's all these changing roles when one person becomes a mother or a wife and one person doesn't, or that you both do and your lives, you know, kind of diverge because you're busy or what have you, or one person's career takes off and the other person's doesn't, right? There are all these kind of dividing lines in any kind of relationship. And so the tension, the universal tension there is, you know, what can this friendship survive? And then in our case with Riley and Jen, there's also the added layer of this particular thing happening that doesn't necessarily happen to them in their relationship, but has a profound effect on their relationship. And the question then is, can they survive that too on top of everything else?
3: help dot com slash moms don't have time. Well, and also you don't only delve into their friendship; you go into the actual marriages, like you go into <laughs> what that's like and those intimate conversations and like regret and you know should this have happened and I you know all the stuff of that you doesn't necessarily leave the the house.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it doesn't leave the house or the bedroom. That was one of our really important goals with We Are Not Like Them, was to bring the reader inside these very intimate spaces and intimate conversations that you don't typically see. And, that, and also then to get inside our characters' heads. That was the whole reason we did this book first person. It was originally written third person. We changed it literally at the last minute. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah. Joe yeah. called me one day and said, are you
2: sitting down? I think yeah, I, should I should rewrite the book in first person. Like, you should have given me more time to not only sit down, but also to...
0: I should have said... Or a drink. I I should have said, like, are you drinking vodka? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sitting down was not enough to take all that in. But we did it, and it's better. It's better because you get in these very intimate conversations, you get to see what someone thinks and then what they say, which can be two totally different things. And I think that's interesting
2: on an individual level, right, or universal level with both of the characters. I think that always happens, right? What you say, what you, I think, may be two different things. But on top of that, the race component here, the race angle, you know, Joe is privy to conversations that I am not privy to. People will say things in front of her that they wouldn't say in front of me as a Black woman and vice versa. And so that was a unique strength in terms of our writing this book together, because we can bring those conversations to the table that we both heard, and then we want people to witness these kind of conversations, and then practice them themselves, right? Like use this book as a jumping off point uh, to go back to their friends, families, social networks, uh, and 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 have these kind of conversations.
3: Wow. So, Christine, are you no longer an editor? or Like, what's your what's your Path now what and What's the live. status now? Yeah, what's the status? That's a really
2: good question. And maybe a whole separate podcast. What is Christine's future?
0: <laughs> have, as, so, as someone that can't stop making podcasts, I love that I story. know, right? It's a Terrible. very
2: live journey, lots of tension, dramatic twists and turns. I'm still working as a consultant at Simon Schuster. I have some of the books that I acquired before I left and some of my beloved authors who have books that are recently come out or forthcoming. And then Joe and I are working on book two. So I'm um, still wearing lots (laughs) of different hats right now, which is, which is exciting and interesting. And I think, you know, as busy as we both may be doing all these different types of projects, we wouldn't have it any other way, right? Like that's just how we kind of thrive and move in the world. And so it's nice to to just be storytelling ourselves, helping other
0: people tell stories,
2: championing other writers. I and mean, it's, it's, it's fun.
0: It's great. It's, and, you know, during all of the hectic craziness of a book launch, it's nice to have each other because we're both like, why don't you take a step back and freaking enjoy it? Mm-hmm. Because this is awesome. And so we get, we're doing what we love, which is telling stories, and getting to talk about books all
3: day—that's like, pretty cool. It sounds really familiar. I, yeah, I also yeah, I, I say, as you all know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I—I I mean, it's true. I the other day I was like editing. I have this memoir coming out next summer, and all day I had to be like in the document, like because I had so much to do and I had a deadline, whatever. And after I was like, oh my gosh, I spent like eight hours or seven hours in the document today, and I was like, this is what other writers do every day. Yeah. Like like a bunch of authors I posted, I think, and somebody was like, uh yeah, I'm a writer, you know, this is what I do. I'm like, I couldn't do that. Like I I need all these different inputs. I need to be like in it, right? It sounds like you guys operate the same way. Like some people can just do one, you know, no. not that it's bad. It's just the different way they, Different sure. people's brains work in different ways, you know?
2: Yeah. We don't have to tell you about wearing a lot of hats. CBO. <laughs> 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 that's for sure. I don't know how you do it. Uh,
0: so many different things,
3: but no, I'm just, uh, you know, I feel like we need a better expression, right? Cause wearing a lot of hats makes it seem like you're not really, that's true. Right, you know what I mean? Hat. I'm from i no, so not kidding. to criticize the expression I'm just like thinking no, about it you know, have, like
0: I'm totally criticizing it I'm like who is wearing all these who who has that much and are they from? on
3: top of each other I mean, is it like caps
0: for sale, for sale? you know or nineteenth century and what kind of caps sure. are they I mean, yeah. they're, yeah. they're,
3: they're, they're, are we wearing fedoras or these like baseball caps I don't know yeah I think that this is just the way some people you need the inputs to have the output that's all mm-hmm. and, you know,
2: and I think that's why we're writers and book editors, because I mean the beauty of it is that you're getting exposed to lots of different ideas, topics, subjects, you know, cultures like guys, like what's happening. Like for somebody who, for people like us who need a lot of you know kind of stimulation and have a lot of curiosity to have different things hitting you all at once, mm-hmm. right, from all these different sources, and it's just it's very dynamic. And I think then you can thrive in that because that sparks more creativity more inspiration and more drive. I mean, Joe is the hardest working person I know. And so it's actually really great to be partnered with somebody who is so hardworking because there's, it pushes you in the best possible way, right? There's, and and to have a collaboration like this, you do have to have a certain sensibility, right? Like a common work ethic or a yeah. way to work. Otherwise, you know, it, it wouldn't work. And so I really appreciate that Joe and I are both very driven type
0: A people in the yes. best possible yes. way. It, does, <laughs> it doesn't work if you're not. right. I can tell you that firsthand. And I say this all the time, Christine is the only person that I will collaborate with going forward, because I think we do complement each other in that we both have very busy lives. And when one of us needs to drop a ball, the other one picks it up. Like there's no question And I'm never afraid. I'm never afraid to be like, I've got to go on vacation or I've got a sick kid. Because I know that Christine is always going to be there. I love that you said, I've got to go
2: on vacation. Like it was another thing on your to-do list. You're like, I got to go on vacation.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Even her vacations are
2: on her to-do list.
3: (laughs) It's stressful to go on vacation because you have to organize so much before you go. And then you've got to catch up and you have the plans. I don't know. I'm very stressed about vacation. Yes. But Joe, so what about you? You have another two books of this, you know, are they the same characters? No, a different, something totally different.
0: Totally different. We just, Christine and I keep coming up with more ideas. So we're like, we'll do this as long as people want to read them. We love, like, we just love writing together. And so we're about a hundred pages deep into into the new novel. And then we have an idea for another one. And I'm right now focusing pretty intently on these books, but then also the podcasts. I'm and I'll have three podcasts. I can't keep track. Um going <laughs> simultaneously, committed under the influence, and I'm launching a new podcast about podcasts, which is the most meta thing that has ever happened <laughs> in the world. So what do you call, what are you calling that? It's the pod club. It's called the pod club, mm-hmm. and it launches in December with iHeart. And it's great, actually. We'll have to have you on. And then you know, focusing on I've got still got two small-ish kids. So I've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old and they're trying not to let my marriage fall apart. So I think that's enough. Enough. Maybe we'll get a hamster. <laughs> <laughs> Just to add, because you need one more
3: thing. Just we this. happened to have been at Petco this weekend and accidentally picked up a hamster costume for Halloween. Um, <laughs> oh. That's what you need, to stick it that Dude, costume. I'm I'm yes. yeah. We thought it was, my son thought it was a dog costume. Mind you, it's of a hot dog, but you know, we got it in the car. Crazy that I even let this purchase go through, but I was like, This is it's not gonna fit a lab. It's this big. What on earth? Anyway, it's fine. It's all good.
0: So can't wait for um, those
3: Instagram pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sorry, we're like already running over. What advice would you have for aspiring authors?
0: Hmm, so my my advice that I give a lot is because I people ask us all the time, they're like, I have a book idea, I have a story idea, is I genuinely believe that writing anything is a muscle. You have to develop. Talent is like 10% of it. And so if you have something that you want to write, you really need to commit to it and say, okay, I'm going to start writing 500 words, a thousand words every single day for an entire month. And even if it's terrible, even if it's crap, even if I'm hung over or I have to bang it out on my phone. And if you can't do it nearly all of those days, you probably don't want to do it. Because this is a job, and it is a commitment, and the writing also only gets better when you revisit it every day, because that's when the characters live in your head. So that's what I tell people. And some people have gone on to write an entire novel or a screenplay after that, and other people, mostly men, have been like, I'm not a writer. And I'm like, of course you're yeah. not. I knew that. So I'm glad you tried.
2: My advice would be, and this is a PSA for editors and editing, is just that you know you really need to get feedback on your work, it's really, I mean, as much as you can, you know, sit and write alone and do your thousand words a day or what have you, eventually you're going to have to have people read this book. And that getting an objective opinion on both just a reaction from people in your circles and readers, but also if you can get a professional assessment or opinion, really, really can help. Because it's one thing to write a solid first draft, but it's another thing to really be committed to refining and refining and refining. And it's really hard to do in a vacuum. Um, And so getting great feedback from other people is just
0: a really good next step, preliminary step, wherever you are in the process. We still do, even though we have each other, even when we were working on this proposal for the next book, even before we gave it to our agent, we hired an outside editor to read it. And I think it's really important to pay someone to read it too, because all your friends can read it and they're all just going to duel all over you and tell you you're great. <laughs> they don't want to end your friendship right then and there. But if you're paying someone, they really put in the work and they put in
2: the time. Which is okay. not to say though, that you can not get a book published without paying for it. I mean, if you have the resources, that's great. But I also, you know, want people to feel not discouraged that I can't ever get a book published unless I can spend, you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars to make it better. And that's, Not the case, especially in a writing group, right, where people can give each other, giving feedback to another person can actually just be as beneficial as getting feedback yourself. And so that can be a nice quid pro quo to, you know, partner with somebody and give each other feedback on your work. And then it's free. Yeah, so you have options.
3: I just wrote this essay because like you, like a lot of people have been like, oh, you know, you're in publishing. What can I do? So I wrote this whole long thing because I was like, I can't answer everybody. I'm going to just do it once. Here you go. Here's what mm-hmm. I would say to you. But one thing I, I basically said is like, if you're not comfortable showing it to people to read it, you probably should not be trying to publish your book anyway. Right. No. <laughs> that's the whole goal is right, right. Like you should then great. Have a di- you know, keep it to yourself. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. All right. Thank you guys. This was so fun. Awesome. Thank you for giving it. us the honor of the, you know, headline on day before, you know, uh, publication so, you know,
2: So surreal. So surreal. It's crazy. All right. Congratulations. Thank you guys.
3: Good luck. Good luck. Thanks for having us. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.